Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. Also, just a little bit of confession. Uh, the last few weeks that you've done that song, I've not actually been singing along because during the singing portion, I've been watching our online feed, watching for trolls. Uh, we had trolls a few weeks ago on YouTube. If you don't know what a troll is, then you're not one. Uh, but uh, sometimes people get on these videos and they say nasty things while they're going on. And so we had that happen a few weeks ago. And so just kind of took it upon myself to, to watch the feed while we're worshiping so that if there's anything that is said that is inappropriate, um, you know, I can delete and block. Um, you know, it's, it's no different in my mind. I mean, if one of you guys stood up and started saying swear words right now, uh, you would be escorted out kindly, and, uh, and, and this is no different on a YouTube channel. So we just, we just have a, a virtual escort that takes pers- a person out of, the, uh, out of the room so they can't be a distraction. So I was kind of watching that. And uh, today's the first time I've sang that song, and uh, that is a, uh, that's a powerful song. Uh, it is, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's something else. So I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, that I wasn't watching the feed today, uh, and able to, to worship along. Just when 2020 couldn't get any better, we decided to throw some race riots into the mix. Uh, I saw something yesterday where, uh, some, uh, somebody said, congratulations to the two astronauts who successfully launched from Cape Canaveral. They picked a really good time to leave planet earth. <sighs> I know Elon Musk is trying to monetize this thing, and I bet he could have, uh, have quite a few people that would take him up on the offer right now if, if, they, uh, if they had the money to go. In, in all seriousness, these are, these are serious times, and this is a, this is a very serious message this morning. Uh, I can't tell you how troubled I am by the images that I've seen in my newsfeed in recent weeks, and and even beyond just the last couple of weeks. It's been longer than that. You know, it it used to be that violence and bloodshed was something that was was limited to the movies. You know, you rated our movie, you know there'd be, you knew that there'd be bloodshed, you knew there'd be violence, you knew that there'd be those things that, that, that were in those movies. But the reality is, is that when you've watched a movie where someone is killed on the movie screen, in the back of your mind, you know, you know, it's just an actor, it's a stunt guy, it's a, it's, a, it's a staged event. That person that was killed in the movie walked away and may have been killed multiple times over multiple takes. Who knows? But in your back of your mind, you always knew that was just a, it was just, it was fake. It was, it was all just part of the movies. But now we as a nation have collectively, uh, perhaps I can't say universally, but we as a nation have collectively watched two men die on the screens of our smartphones. Whether it was the young man down in South Georgia that was hunted down and murdered there in the neighborhood, or the latest death, Mr. Floyd, there in Minnesota. Now, I want you to hear me. I've said this before, and I'll say this again. I believe that every person accused of a crime should have his day in court. Every single person who's accused of a crime should have to face a jury of his peers and be convicted or exonerated based on evidence and based on the rule of law. I firmly do believe that. 
we have this new phenomenon today where we try the accused in the media and we try them on our Facebook pages before they ever have a chance to face their day in court. I believe this is dangerous. I believe it's very troubling that we've come to this. We are not a better people for this reality. Uh, we are not a better people that our criminals are, are convicted, judged, guilty, or innocent in our social media and in our news media. We're not better for this. We know the coronavirus, the economic problems that have come as a result of the lockdowns and the quarantines, they have taken, our t they've taken a tremendous toll on our nation. And now we find ourselves sitting here on a Sunday morning while some of our greatest cities are still smoldering from race riots and protests that have erupted over the last couple of nights. We're, if you're like me, you sit here this morning wondering what tonight holds when the sun goes down. What's the next, what's the next thing to happen? What's the next riot to unfold? Martin Luther King Jr.'s words have always resonated with me. I, I've, all, uh, I've tried to operate under the principle that I don't judge a man by the color of his skin, but by the content of his character. But I'm not colorblind. None of us really are. But it seems to me that we might all be much better off if we saw one another not as black or white or various shades of brown. It seems that we would all be better off if we saw one another as God sees us as image bearers of a holy God. We teach our children the song, red, yellow, black, brown, white, all are precious in his sight. If that's the case, then all should be precious in our sight as well. When I read my Bible, what I find is that this interesting thing, we all come from the same family tree. We're all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, and, and even sooner than that, we're all sons and daughters of Noah. And in this family tree, God has built in all kinds of genetic diversity that gives us all of these beautiful shades of brown. There's no such thing as race because we're all part of the human race. However, we find ourselves today in a, in a culture where our culture, not necessarily you or the people watching at home, where, but we as a culture are, are fighting against one another because your shade of brown is darker than my shade of brown, or your shade of brown is lighter than my shade of brown. And it's not just a black-white thing. You know as well as I do, there have been stories in the last couple of months where Chinese people in our country have been attacked because of the coronavirus, like that Chinese person that was attacked had something to do with it. Like, like they were the ones in the lab over there, or they were the ones in the wet market, wherever it came from, who decided, I'm going to sneak this thing over there. That, that's not the case. Here's the deal. None of this is right in any way, shape, form, or fashion. It's not right on either side. Injustice to a man in the streets of Minneapolis is not corrected by attacking police officers in Chattanooga or setting fire to the courthouse in Nashville or burning police cars in Atlanta. None of it is right. Attacking a Chinese man because of a virus that he has nothing to do with is absolute ridiculous insanity. All the shades of brown are precious in his sight. Church, we've got to recognize, we have to catch this, 
There is an evil, there is a sickness in our culture, and there is a sickness in our culture that is far more toxic than the coronavirus. It shows up in all kinds of places, but every time it shows up, it leaves the same mess behind. And we had better understand that the solution to this sickness is not the National Guard. It's not more speeches by politicians. Elections aren't going to fix it. And I think we've learned this. Social media posts don't really fix it either. When I started this series 17 weeks ago, I had intended to be finished last week. It was Sweet 16, not Sweet 17. It's hard to do a tournament bracket with 17 teams. It's hard to do that. Uh, However, when we walked from the beginning to the end, we considered the main storyline of the Bible from creation to fall, redemption. I realized that something was missing that was absolutely critical. Something that in light of the crisis that we are facing today, something that needs to be said. Throughout the whole series, we've been somewhat passive observers. We were the ones who broke God's good creation with the fall. And from then on out, it was God who was trying to put the pieces back together again. However, what we're going to see today is that God has given us, as his church today, a very critical role to play in the great story of redemption that we've been working through. If you've got your Bibles, open them to, again, the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation this morning, we will go backtrack just a little bit in the book of Revelation, back to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7 this morning, we will begin reading in verse 9. If you're here in the room with me, you're welcome to stand as we read these words together. The apostle John was given this incredible vision, and we're told these words beginning in Revelation 7 verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Father, I'm thankful for the vision you gave John. Thankful for what it speaks to us today. God, may you heal our land, and may the church of the Lord Jesus Christ be instrumental in in that healing work. God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for those gathered here and remotely across our community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. In light of what we see taking place in the world today, I hope that you are encouraged by the fact that John tells us here that race, listen, it's not going to be a problem in the new creation not going to be a problem in the new creation. I love the fact, and, and again, this is, this, again, you just read the plain, the plain words of the text here. It is very clear. God preserves ethnicities in the new creation. He, 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 John sees them. He's able to discern that there are different ethnicities that are there around the throne worshiping. And so we can clearly see that in the new creation, in the new heaven, in the new earth, that those ethnicities are preserved. And and what we see is that these ethnicities that John sees, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, all these different people groups gathered together, they are not meeting in their own little little church groups over here. They're not meeting in this little house church over here or this little body over here. They're They're not separated. We're told that he sees them gathered together around the throne, united in worship of the Lamb of God. They are brought together in worship and adoration of the Lord. And so what we have to understand here 
is that ethnicities, they're an expression of God's creativity. It doesn't matter if your skin and your eyes are deep brown and you come from Africa. It doesn't matter if your hair is blonde, your eyes are blue, and your skin is light from like somebody from Europe. If you're anywhere in between on the spectrum, if you're like some folks, you look like you're from one nation in the summer and another nation in the wintertime based on how you react to the sunshine. It doesn't really matter. You are created in the image and likeness of a holy God. Doesn't matter. So God did this. He built into our DNA. Every single one of us, he built into our DNA this incredible diversity of skin color and expression of ethnicity. Each and every single one of us has that built into us. This was God's idea. So whether it's skin color or facial features or eye color or hair color or the lack thereof, God built it into the DNA of the human race when he created Adam and Eve in his image and likeness. It's God's idea. And so what we see is different colors, different races. God sees as the full expression of what he programmed from the start. And John sees in this new creation that full expression of God's creative work. People from every nation, every tribe, every tongue. In Genesis chapter 11, at the Tower of Babel, the people are scattered due to their idolatrous tendencies. They all were from Noah's line there at the Tower of Babel, yet in their idolatrous attempt to reach the heavens with their tower, God confused their languages and they scattered as a consequence. However, beginning within generations, God's covenant with Abraham to bless the nations it continued when Jesus came onto the scene, commissioning his disciples to go to the end of the earth. Since the Tower of Babel, God has been working to bring the nations back together. And according to John's vision, he is ultimately and finally successful. So if you're tired of seeing our cities burn, you need to take heart in knowing that one day, the fires will forever be extinguished. Both the physical fires of rioting and the fires of hatred and, mis and mistrust that have been stoked by injustice and prejudice. I'm going to say this with all the love of Christ in my heart. I'm not trying to offend, hurt feelings, or anything like that. But I'm going to say this. If you've got a problem with racism right now, you're not going to be happy with the new heavens and the new earth. If you've got any notion today that one color of skin is superior to another color of skin, then I've got really, really, really bad news for you. God loves the whole palette of colors. And each and every single one of those colors is an expression of his image. It's an expression of his creative work. It was all his idea. And so if you dare find your skin color more appealing or better than another skin color, you are finding yourself at odds with a holy God. And each and every color of our skin exists to bear witness to his image. And though Revelation indicates that we will preserve in some level our ethnicity, it is very clear in John's vision that we are all citizens of the kingdom, regardless of the amount of melanin that is contained in our bodies today. And according to what John saw, this is cool, our resurrected bodies maintain their melanin to the glory of God. 
One other thing, notice John's vision is not scandalous. We know there was racism in biblical times. We don't have to look any further than the treatment of the Samaritans by the Jews. Some of Jesus' most scandalous moments were when he ignored the racial predispositions of his people and he loved those Samaritans. However, in the new creation, it's not scandalous or strange. John doesn't see every nation, tribe, and tongue worshiping together and saying, Oh my goodness, what have you done? He sees it, and he recognizes it is exactly as it should be. As icing on the cake, John tells us what they're doing. They're waving palm branches. If you remember palm branches from Palm Sunday, you remember something of what those palm branches represent. They're a symbol of joy. They're a symbol of of triumph. And so it seems a fitting tribute for this innumerable multicultural crowd in the new creation. They're not celebrating triumph over another people or another nation. In fact, all these nations are together. They are celebrating the fact that they have triumphed over the things of this world that are sick and depraved. If you remember from last week, John realized that all the old things have passed away, and that is what they are celebrating, the joy and triumph of the reality that all those things have passed away. They are rejoicing in the goodness of a God who has saved them. And so we know there is a sickness in our culture, and we know that our race issues today are just another example of how we have perverted God's good design. Does that mean we're stuck with it until Jesus comes back? I hope not. I still join with John in praying the prayer at the end of the book of Revelation, even so, come Lord Jesus. But I certainly hope that we're not stuck with the status quo until then. Because here's the thing. We need to understand today that the only hope that the sick and depraved culture has is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not politics, it's not politicians, it's not money. Those things don't fix what is broken in our world today. Understand what they're singing in this picture John sees. They're singing, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation is secured by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, the apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And then even Paul deals with the race issue here he says to the Jews first and also to the Greeks meaning that it doesn't matter where you come from what your background is what your skin color is the gospel is capable of saving you this is not an exclusive club it is available to anyone who would believe it is God's prerogative not ours And it is God who has made it very clear that he wants his house filled. Revelation chapter 7 paints a picture of the guests, and they are from the four corners of the earth. Which means that the answer for a sick society is the gospel properly preached and properly applied. And I hope we understand today that racism isn't the only sickness in our society. We are sick on so many levels that, that, that we, we need an ICU treatment just for our culture because there's so many things that are broken and wrong with our civilization, whether it's the abortion clinics that continue to pump out murder, the confusion surrounding the, the, the sexual situation in our land, the racism that is so prevalent that we see being stoked up today. There are so many layers and levels of sickness that, that we've got a lot of things that need to be tended to. But the only answer for any of those things is the gospel properly preached and properly applied. And I have to say that 
Because the gospel has to be properly preached. It has to be properly applied. And the reason we have to say that is simple is because there's some very dangerous false gospels that are circulating today. The Apostle Paul said, if anybody, even an angel under heaven, should preach a gospel contrary to the one that I have preached, let him be anathema, let him be condemned. And so if there are gospels floating around, these gospels don't lead to salvation. The prosperity gospel, for example, claims that your problems in this life are a product of your lack of faith. And there are thousands of people in our country, and we've exported it now, who are enslaved to this this false gospel. You've got the liberation gospel that's been a trap for many that argues that the greatest good that can be done is to free people from political and economic bondage, ignoring the reality that our greatest bondage is not politics or economics. Our greatest bondage is sin. What we have taking place in our society right now, we call it racism, we call it anarchy, We call it injustice, but the Bible recognizes and simply calls it sin. And the only solution to sin is the true gospel. Nobody's being rescued from bondage by burning down a business or setting fire to a police car. Nobody's being rescued from bondage by taking frustrations out on someone who's under, who's being arrested. Nobody at the same time is being rescued from sin when we post our outrage about this on social media and engage in arguments with people online. But what does bring about deliverance from bondage is when I tell others about how Jesus has rescued me from sin and made me a new creature. What brings people bondage is the fact that Jesus can heal this hardened, cruel heart of this man who has fallen, and he can give me a new heart. He can make me a new creature. That, men and women, is what rescues people from bondage. When Jesus delivers me from sin, he gives me a new heart. What begins to happen is my bankrupt way of thinking It's supposed to start changing. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit moves into this old sin-hardened heart and starts to do a a renovation. There's a lot of things that that he just needs to roll one of those big construction dumpsters in and start throwing things out, right? I mean, if we're honest, my neighbors are getting ready to move out, and and you you know they've been in a house a long time when part of the move is bringing in a construction dumpster and filling it up with stuff that uh, that they don't want to have to deal with, Right? And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he rolls this dumpster in and, and he starts to throw out that stuff that we don't need in our life, throw out that stuff that, we, that is toxic, throw out that stuff that he doesn't want to move into this renovated house he's working on. All those patterns, all those behaviors that were under the control of my flesh are supposed to come under the control of the Spirit, which is why the writer of Hebrews says that we should put away the sin that so easily entangles us. We today desperately need the Holy Spirit to start rolling dumpsters outside our hearts and start cleaning house. Third thing, and I'm finished. What's the key? How do we get there? The Great Commission is the key that brings all this to a stop. Flip back to Matthew's Gospel, the 24th chapter. Back in Matthew's Gospel in the 24th chapter, 
Beginning in verse 9, we encounter these words, Jesus warning his disciples about what last days are going to look like. Matthew 24, verse 9, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow, will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Listen to verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Man, as Jesus tells his disciples this, I, I read his words and I think, well, that sounds like an interesting time. I, I saw somebody yesterday, one of these things that circulated the internet, it was a picture of a, picture of a person and the, the heading above it said, said, waking up and wondering which chapter of the book of Revelation you're living out today. I'm sure that generations before us have felt like they were living in the season that Jesus describes here. As a matter of fact, I know generations before us have, have felt that they were living in what Jesus describes here. Uh, but in spite of that, one thing I know, it sure feels like we're living in that season now. I mean, it, this sounds like, like New York Times wrote this, not Jesus uh, describing it, right? And we could spend a lot of time matching headlines from today's newspapers to the statements that Jesus makes here, but I want us to zero in on that last verse. If you're ready, as I am, for all the injustice, all the hatred, all the violence, all the sickness of this world to come to a close, then we have to recognize that the key, <laughs> it's right here, the key is the church's mission that he has left since he, since he gave it to them in Matthew chapter 28. The key to seeing all of this come to a close is that we do what we've been called to do. Our task has been and will continue to be to the end that the church would be Christ's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And Jesus says, when this testimony has been shared with all the nations, then we will see the glorious day when all that is wrong with the world is set right. And then we will finally see the answer to the prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So this is where we come in. We have this remarkable story of creation, fall, rescue, redemption. And we sit on it. It's a good story, right? It's a great story. Or we can do our part to see that all that is wrong is finally and ultimately made right. Over the last three months, We've all probably had a lot of time to sit at home and be introspective. Think about the world and 
our role in the world. Think about what the world is going to look like tomorrow. Maybe you've thought about all that's wrong with the world. And I wonder, in light of these things, how do we respond? Do we allow injustice upon injustice to harden our hearts? Do we allow the images that we see in our media to stir up anger, to provoke hatred? Or do we respond as Christ would have us, with charity, with grace, with renewed love for our neighbor and renewed zeal for the gospel? I don't like seeing our cities burn. I don't like seeing men murdered on my phone either. But I do like seeing people turn from their flesh and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and be made brand new creatures. So that one day, regardless of the color of our skin, the native tongue in which we speak, the shape of our eyes, the background of our culture, we might all join together in glorious victory over sin and the flesh and forever celebrate the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. Do you pray with me, please? Oh, God, we long for the day when we will join with every nation, tribe, and tongue around that glorious throne. And in this world in which we live, where there seems to be so much that's broken, so much that's wrong, God, may we as the church, may we love our neighbors. God, would we as a church worry much more about the condition of a man's heart than the color of his skin? Where we as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would recognize that it is the gospel that has the power to change civilizations. It is the good news of Christ that has the, the power to transform hearts. It is the gospel that frees us from the bondage, from the chains of our sin. We thank you for the gospel. And we thank you for our commission as your children to preach it to the ends of the earth. Lord, we love you and we bless you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.